0: a uh, mishmash of a lot of different things to talk about in this 434th episode of Unscripted as we thank you for joining us and uh, welcome you to this edition of our little program. Mike and Chris with you. A lot of things to talk about. The first couple of episodes have been pretty heavy in the National Football League and in the college football because obviously those are two big ticket items, but obviously there's a lot of things going on. Uh, in the wonderful and wacky world of sports from other sports like, uh, and again, it always seems to go back to Wisconsin for me, but I got to tell you, I saw the Milwaukee Bucks and the Los Angeles Clippers on Friday night from the Pfizer Forum in Milwaukee. Middle of the third quarter, Milwaukee's up by 41. Um, Doc Rivers pulled his starters, including Kawhi Leonard and Paul George with nine minutes to go in the game, and they were down by 38. I don't think there's any question that the best team in the NBA in the Eastern Conference is the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, their point differential is 12 points uh, per game. They're winning their games by more than an average of 12 points per game. That that they come to that number depending on the points that they score and the points that they give up. And the best point differential has been Milwaukee so far this year at 12.0. But I'm getting forward and getting very looking forward, I should say, to a matchup coming up within the next couple of weeks with the Milwaukee Bucks hosting the Los Angeles Lakers when you'll have LeBron James and Anthony Davis visit Brewtown. i still can't i gotta say this and anybody from the state of wisconsin that's listening to unscripted where in the hell did they come up with cream city i have no idea what that is from milwaukee yeah cream
1: city? cream city i can find out they've
0: got you. a jersey now that says cream city on there their their home oh, okay. alternative and i don't know what the hell cream city means i'm wondering because of all the brewer and all the breweries and the making of the beer or is it because of all the the cheese products that are made in the state of Wisconsin—I don't know—but um, I'm trying to figure out what Cream City means, and I'm from freaking Wisconsin, and I don't know what Cream City means. But,
1: I've got a—I've got the answer here. Yeah, hit me, please. Uh, all right. Uh, the answer might surprise you. It has nothing to do with the dairy industry hmm. okay. or the beer
0: industry. Uh,
1: nope. No. Oh, no. Okay. Milwaukee is known as the Cream City because of the yellow cream-colored bricks that were first discovered and made here in the 19th century. Those bricks were used for many of the buildings and businesses, breweries, schools, throughout the 19th century. Hmm. To take a look at some of the creamy-colored structures, uh, they went and did this or whatever. But yeah, so I guess they were just, they used this Cream City brick and everything was kind of cream-colored there in the 19th century.
0: Well, see, you can teach an old dog new tricks. I had no idea. I would have been. I would have thought it was something involved the dairy industry because yeah. Wisconsin is obviously famous for all the dairy products we produce and all the beer we produce. Um, but I had no idea. But I can tell you this: their basketball team looks very, very good, and um, they really did a number on Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on Friday night. The Bucks are back in action later tonight taking on the Orlando Magic as they go for their fifteenth consecutive, 14th or 15th consecutive win. They are now 20-3 and, and a half game behind the Los Angeles Lakers, who won their 21st game against three losses last night, as Anthony Davis put up 50 for the Lakers in their win over the Minnesota Timberwolves. So we can talk about the NBA if you'd like. Certainly we can talk about that. I want to talk about a little baseball as we finally, here on this and. 34th edition of our little program, we have some breaking news that has just become official is that there has been the first major free agent signing in Major League Baseball as the winter meetings open up This week in San Diego, as the general managers get together for four days of whining and dining, and they're supposed to be doing business down in one of the most beautiful cities in America, San Diego, California. But the first big news of the winter meetings has broke, and that news is that the Washington Nationals, the defending World Series champion Nationals, have re-signed their stud pitcher Steven Strasburg to a seven-year, $245 million contract. Folks, that is amazing. It eclipses the seven-year, $217 million contract that David Price signed with the Boston Red Sox a couple years ago. And here's the funny thing. Uh, Strasburg's numbers will be eclipsed, I'm saying, by the end of this week because Garrett Cole, the superstar pitcher of the Houston Astros, is supposed to be signing with either the New York Yankees, Los Angeles Dodgers, or Los Angeles Angels by the end of the week. And so if Strasburg got $245 million, I can't imagine what Garrett Cole is going to get, but it's going to be bigger because nobody takes less in this day and age of the greed of Major League Baseball. So we have some breaking news. If you are a baseball fan, Steven Strasburg has re-signed with the Washington Nationals seven years, $245 million. I have one more other baseball news before we get on to something interesting. Congratulations to catcher Ted Simmons and Marvin Miller for getting into the Baseball Hall of Fame on the weekend as they were voted in on the seniors ballot. I bring up these two names because they both are synonymous with me. I got to meet Ted Simmons when I was about, let's see, I was born in 64. I met this guy in 81. So that makes me seventeen years old I was at a Brewers game and Ted Williams or Ted Ted Williams Ted Simmons was the Brewers catcher they had just gotten him in a trade with the st. Louis Cardinals and Ted Simmons led the Brewers to the playoffs in 1981 and I got to meet Ted Simmons the second guy Marvin Miller if you're not a fan of the salaries in professional sports and a lot of it again is attributable in regard to this gate this guy to the game of baseball but In the late 70s, if you remember, there was an anti, there was some kind of collusionary, and I can't remember all because it was 1977, for Christ's sake. That's 42 years ago. But Andy Measuresmith and Dale and Dave McNally were two pitchers that were fighting for their ability to get out on the open and free market. And Marvin Miller, who's a lawyer, Um, he was the executive director of the major league baseball players association at the time. And he is the guy that introduced all of us to free agency in major league baseball. And if you hate the salaries of major league baseball players today, one person that you can kind of point your angst at is one, Mr. Marvin Miller, who is now going into the baseball hall of fame for what he did. But unfortunately, Marvin Miller, who I interviewed many times 20 years ago, 25 years ago, Marvin Miller passed in 2012 or 2013. But Marvin Miller is the guy that you want to kind of point your anger at if you're not happy with the salaries in Major League Baseball because this is the guy that broke through and got the freedom that his players were looking for back in 77. And it started with two pitchers, one by the name of Andy Messersmith. The other one was a guy by the name of Dave McNally. Dave McNally was with the Baltimore Orioles then. He signed a free agent contract with the Montreal Expos. And Andy Messersmith left the Los Angeles Dodgers and went to the Atlanta Braves. But these were the first two guys that were allowed total free agency, and all of that is attributable to Marvin Miller. So congratulations to those two individuals um, as they will be part of the uh, in, in uh, induction into the Baseball Hall of Fame in July. The regular guys like, uh, I don't know who's up on the ballot this year, but those those names will be re- announced at the end of January. Again, we welcome you to this 434th episode of Unscripted, and I guess I want to start, I want to talk some National Hockey League, and the National Hockey League obviously is still kind of spinning a little bit um, from the news of, what an asshole Mike Babcock turned out to be. And none of us knew anything about the behind the scenes stuff in regard to Mike Babcock and what he did in Toronto. Um, obviously in the subsequent 10 days to two weeks, since all this news broke, there's been a lot of guys and one of them that has come out is former Detroit Red Wings. Uh, I think he was a right winger, but I'm not sure Darren McCarty. Yeah. He was a winger. I just don't remember which wing, but Darren McCarty, He's come out now and said Wings won the Cup in 2008 in spite of Coach Mike Babcock and some of the things that he did. Uh, And there was a guy that he specifically pointed out, Johan Franzen, who had some problems. And he got so scared because Babcock would take out some of his frustrations on this guy that, that Franzen developed like these... I don't know, nervous ticks or whatever when Mike Babcock came around. So interesting that these stories keep coming out. And I think, as I mentioned in our episode that Chris so wonderfully titled just the tip of the iceberg, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. I think we're going to hear a lot of guys and players coming out and making proclamations and statements against former coaches that abused them or mistreated them or mishandled them. And obviously when we talked last week about what happened to Bill Peters in regard to his resigning as the head hockey coach or the head coach of the Calgary Flames and what has transpired there. And we heard the the scuttlebutt of what Rod Brindamore brought forward that, oh yeah, what Bill Peters was doing here was, oh, we all knew about it and I passed it on to management and management handled it. And then you got Ronnie Francis involved. And now you've got the Sutter brothers. There's been things said and written about Daryl Sutter and his brother, Brent Sutter about what they did when Brent was, excuse me, when Daryl was the head coach of the Los Angeles Kings and and a player there came out and said some things. So again, I just think that this is the tip of the iceberg folks. We're going to see a lot of this and a lot of guys that you haven't heard from in a while are going to be in the national spotlight for 15 or 20 minutes as they report what a hockey coach did to them. And again, the most outrageous one of all time still has to be the Graham James one involving, you know, again, that was just sick. What he did to Theron Fleury and that other guy, uh, Kennedy, Sheldon Kennedy back in the day, that's been what, 10, 15 years ago now. But, uh, those two guys never survived what the brutal attacks that Graham James did to those two young men. So I think we're just seeing the beginning of the the beginning of the tip of the iceberg. I keep saying that, but again, this is not the first nor the last time that we're going to hear about a former National Hockey League player coming out about a coach or an administrator or something as they made that, that trek from minor hockey to junior hockey to the National Hockey League. Um, We're going to keep hearing about this, I'm pretty sure, over the next days, weeks, and years from National Hockey League. And ultimately, we're going to hear it from the National Football League. We're going to hear it from the NBA. And we're going to hear it uh, from Major League Baseball, for sure.
1: Well, just everywhere in society, not just sports organizations. Movies, Hollywood, workplaces, everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. We're going through a seismic shift. And uh, it's, it's difficult because, on one hand, I think, not including like horrible people like Graham James or, you know, anyone who's actually doing really bad stuff. But uh, I think some people think, you know, oh, you just you can't say anything bad ever and and all that. And then the other side might say, well, we don't want to limit free speech. But like, what's the big deal if you're joking around? You know, both sides think that they're uh, in the right, whether you're the super politically correct side or the not. Uh, The people that are actually doing horrible things. Yeah, they can just fuck off and, you know, no one has time for them. But uh, it's difficult to have such seismic changes to society so fast. I mean, until the twentieth century, it's like nothing changed that fast. You go a few generations with hardly any changes. Now, in someone's lifetime, the world is unrecognizable. And that was even before social media. The last few generations. Now, it's just I, I can't even imagine what how different the world is going to be. Uh, I, you know, I've never had any time for hazing, and you know, just bullying and treating people like crap. So I like that all that stuff is finally getting under the spotlight, which is wonderful. But like I said last week, there will be collateral damage, um, you know, as, as we strive to get things right. So it's, yeah, it's going to be, there's going to be some real growing pains with society over the next, boy, I don't know, a few years, a few decades. I'm not sure, but things are definitely changing.
0: Staying in the National Hockey League, um, uh, one rumor seems to be gaining a little speed and i wanted to bring this up because obviously chris is very well entrenched in the knowledge of this guy that i'm going to be bringing up as the name and you know a lot of times you talk about the rich getting richer and that obviously uh, bodes what well, you know bodes in all professional sports you've got teams that are are very talented and yet they bring on one more guy and you hear the term rich getting richer well, if this true this rumor is true, this truly is uh the rich getting richer. The Colorado Avalanche supposedly have made some calls to New Jersey Devils general manager Ray Sherrill. He's most famous for his years as the general manager back in the day of the New York Islanders. Also was the general manager for years of the Pittsburgh Penguins, won Stanley Cups in both of those stops. Now he has the ultimate the ultimate rebuilding job in New Jersey. Last week, he fired his coach, if I'm correct. And and Chris was the one that called that one at the beginning yeah, of the season. Exactly. <laughs> Chris called that one and said, he's gone. And sure enough, he's gone. I don't remember his name. He wasn't there uh, very long. John Hines. Thank you, sir. But anyway, he's gone. And now it's basically who's getting off the Titanic first. And the first name that I've heard and the Colorado Avalanche are one of two teams that have supposedly called Ray Sherrill, the other one being the Arizona Coyotes, in regard to the availability of Taylor Hall. And Taylor Hall, of course, made his name when he was a first overall draft pick, had some great years in Edmonton, took off when he was traded to New Jersey a couple of years ago, had a great year. A lot of believe a lot of people, including myself, thought he could have been the Hart Trophy winner. He was that good. He did win the Hart Trophy. I mean, yeah, see, I was right. Mm. I knew I was right. Uh, <laughs> but anyway the rumor is is that Colorado has made a call to Ray Cheryl. Cheryl is is working with whoever the general manager. Well, it's Joey, it's Joey Sackick, the general manager. Bernie B. Joe in Colorado, and supposedly they have had a conversation about assets in regard to what could you send. And then I also heard over the weekend that, and this is from Elliot Friedman, Colorado has one of the deepest talent bases in the National Hockey League. They've got guys. Everywhere, at every level of their organization, Bernie B. Joe has stacked his team to where you can make a trade and you've got some young assets, the teams that are tanking or giving up or whatever that they would want as part of a rebuilding. And that's why Colorado was probably attractive to New Jersey because they've got some assets, young assets, that could help further the rebuilding job in New Jersey. But what would you think? I wanted to ask you this when I heard this. Almost called you this weekend, but I knew you were busy. I just want to know your thoughts of Taylor Hall coming back to the Western Conference and making, I think, a hell of a contribution to a team that you now got Landis is back, McKinnon is back, you add uh, Taylor Hall to this offensive team and Colorado could be a fucking Dynamo hockey team.
1: Yeah, I mean, geez. I mean, pretty much everyone's got Nate McKinnon in their top five or at least top 10. And if if you remember in our... NHL preview. We had our Vancouver bureau chief Sean Dode on the program, and he said he thinks Rantanen's even more talented yeah. than McKinnon. You stick Taylor Hall with them. What a, right. what a terrifying line! And then you have so many, so much depth for the rest of the roster. Um, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sold on their goaltending personally, but uh, you know Joe Sakic doing a great job. You need to see those absolute top guys from the '90s, Joe Sakic, Steve Eiserman, become great. GMs, It's amazing because often you get guys like Rob Blake and Luke Robitaille who are great players and then they just are not meant to make the transition to the office. But if you get those those guys those really, really smart, even tempered uh, guys like Joe Sackick and uh, Steve Iserman, Joe Sackick, I would say would have a, a little more of an ego than Steve Eiserman, but they both are are overall very humble you know, a good Canadian well, and, ha-
0: and correct me if I'm wrong, but they had a very good teacher in the administration side of the National Hockey League game in regard to Kenny Holland.
1: Oh, sure. Well, st- and well, Kenny
0: Holland is doing a hell of a job up well, in Edmonton.
1: Well, Steve Eiserman, certainly had that For job. sure. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no, absolutely. And But I mean, I, I think uh, Rob Blake and Luke Robitaille, if you would have had Ken Holland teach them, I don't know if they would have learned a thing, <laughs> to, be well, honest, to be honest with you. So true. I don't know. But yeah, Joe Sakik doing a great job. Good for him. And yeah, I could see them getting it. I've heard they're the clear front runner right now over Arizona and everyone else. Uh, nothing for sure yet. I still wouldn't write off the Oilers making a play for them. Really? Uh, really? Yeah. I mean, and Elliot Friedman's mentioned it a few times. Really? Sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think Ken Holland. He never. He doesn't have that connection to Hall. Uh, I and you know, I think if he does make moves, he will. It, they'd be more minor moves, probably. Uh, I mean, and you'd have to give up like a major prospect, like an Evan Bouchard, recent 10th overall pick of us. Probably have to give him up just to get Taylor Hall as a rental for this season. And then that's it. And then I don't know if we could afford him with a salary cap. So, and I'm sure someone else would offer him more. So I don't know if it's really worth it for that. So I don't, I don't really quite see it. I think it's possible, but it sounds like Colorado is quite interested and I don't blame them at all. Uh, Man, that is a scary team up and down. And uh, I'm, I'm surprised they're not doing better, to be honest. Like, yeah. they're good, but uh, like they're behind the Oilers. Like, I'm surprised that they're not doing... Actually, well, last I checked... The they're
0: Avalanche behind... are at 19-8-2. They're at 40 points.
1: Oh, so they're tied with the Oilers now yeah. then. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I thought they'd be quite a ways ahead of the Oilers at this point, although the Oilers are doing way above expectations at the moment. But, yeah, Colorado has got to be one of the scariest teams, maybe the scariest team in the league right now. Nobody wants to play them in... Anyway, but especially if they get Taylor Hall, McKinnon, and Ranton on the line, like I don't know what you, what you do against that.
0: Is it safe to say that Ken Holland won't be looking to reacquire Neil Yakupov?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> okay, right, yeah. good.
0: <laughs> um, back to the National Football League. Um, it's funny as we're now just well, except for one game tonight. Um, we're three weeks from the completion of this. 100th National Football League season, and you think about it, um, after three weeks, after three more weeks, there'll only be 12 more teams playing. 20 teams will be getting ready for the April uh, draft, and they'll be, well, actually, they'll be getting ready for March the 1st when the free agent frenzy period starts, but then they'll be getting ready for the end of April draft. But we've already seen uh, Ron Rivera released from his duties as the head football coach of the Carolina Panthers. And just kind of thinking, you know, and I want Chris to chime in on this as well because I value his opinion, but I think that this could be one of the most active in regard to coaching hiring, hirings and firing. I think this could be one of the most impactful and busy off seasons for the hiring and firing of head football coaches in the last five to 10 years. I personally believe there could be as many as one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, right off the top of my head, coaches in the national football league to get their pink slip as soon as the season is over. And I believe of the seven teams and the seven coaches, and I'll rattle them off here in a minute. One of them is a team that I think is going to be in the playoffs. I think Doug baloney boy Marone is done in Jacksonville.
1: Yeah, for sure. I
0: think Jason Garrett will finally be done in Dallas. <laughs> he should be. Finally. I think uh, Hillbilly Freddie Kitchens is going to be done in Cleveland. There's, he should There's got to be a fall guy for this team this year. I mean, this team, love him or loathe him, John uh, Dorsey and his band of brothers from Green Bay did a total roster retransformation, and they came out. And they still are the Cleveland Browns.
1: Well, while it's nice, you know, it was a nice story that they let a janitor become the head football coach. They could have uh, maybe done a little better. And, and no question, you
0: now. you all the player acquisitions that they did this off season, and the best that they could do was Freddie Kitchens. Come on, I think Pat Shermer in New York with the Giants is going to yes, is going to be shown the door. Well,
1: I I don't know if he will or not, but he should be. I you know what
0: I think that he will because I just truly believe in my heart of hearts that uh, I believe that there's going to be a total house cleaning in New York. I believe that Gettleman, the general manager, I mean, I go back to the OBG, OBJ trade with New York and Cleveland. All year long, you keep me updated, and I thank you for that about all the injuries that everybody has. But it always seems to be in New York, wide receivers and tight ends are always hurt always getting hurt. And here you have one regardless of his injury status now. Here's one that seemingly made you know made the opening bell every time. He he answered the bell every time. I'm not a big fan of Odell Beckham Jr., but he played every week. You got to give him props for that. And if you're you know you have a shortage at wide receiver, why do you trade one that actually wants to be in New York? And why do you trade one that you just gave a contract extension to? That's why I think Dave Gettleman will be fired along with his head coach. And the new general manager will then bring in his own coach and his and his own staff. I believe due to circumstances beyond his control, I believe Anthony Lynn in Los Angeles with the Chargers will be shown the door in three weeks. I believe... Not all of this is his fault, but I believe there's got to be a fall guy for this too. I believe Vic Fangio after one year will be shown the door in Denver for the simple fact that I've said this a million times, that I believe that some coaches are better as a coordinator versus head coach. And I saw Vic Fangio, even though they won yesterday and looked impressive and kicking the hell out of the Denver or the uh, uh, Houston Texans, Vic Fangio still to me looks like a deer in headlights. On The sidelines,
1: oh, 100%. And you know, every single name you listed there, except for Anthony Lynn, who I really like and doesn't deserve to be fired. Uh, you know, you have to give a guy an O line. Yeah, uh, it's like Don Cherry said, Show me a good coach, I'll show you a good goaltender. Hey, yeah. in the NFL, show me a good coach, I'll show you a good O line. Uh, and hey, uh, he doesn't deserve to be fired, but I could see how, as you mentioned the other week, it'll be appealing. To somebody to think, hey, let's start fresh, new stadium, maybe Rivers moves on, start fresh. Other than that, I not only agree with all those things you said. I actively want all of those guys fired. I don't uh, like anything about any of them. I will say, I've got the, one more. Oh, what? Who's the to one? One more.
0: The okay. guy that I think ultimately will make the playoffs, but I think he should be given his pink slip at the end of the season, and that would be Butt Chin, Bill O'Brien in in Houston. This team has a lot of talent on it. And I know that they've been hurt by injuries. But you know what? Everybody gets nicked by injuries. And I just do not see... And you know, a lot of people don't know this, but Bill O'Brien has a lot of personnel power in Houston. Mm -hmm. And why in the hell would you get rid of guys like Jadavian Clowney and some of the other acquisitions or trade that he has made? I don't think he knows what he's doing. I really don't. He's He's a disaster. I think he's a disaster. And I think that... Just in, in because of Bill O'Brien, I think this team has probably uh, accomplished more than they probably should have because there's a lot of talent there. But this is a team that one week can look like a Super Bowl contender, and then the next week they lay an egg like they did Sunday against the Denver Broncos, starting a, a college quarterback, a rookie quarterback in his first start, and he goes for 306 yards and. I just think that they need a culture change in Houston, and I think a culture change means a coaching change. And I think Bill O'Brien will somehow sneak in and win the AFC South by default, but I think ultimately if the Texans want to be better in 2020, start a new decade with a new football coach.
1: That'd be nice. But the fact is, Bill O'Brien's the de facto GM there, and he's not going to fire himself. And he is a power-mad lunatic who makes terrible decisions, terrible signings, terrible trades, and doesn't know how to coach his way out of a paper bag. And he does need to go, and they absolutely need a culture change. My wife can't stand him, but she would love to cheer for the Texans. There's so much to like about the Texans. Like, how can you not like Deshaun Watson or J.J. Watt or DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller? I mean, there's so much to like on that team, and it's just that idiot, Bill O'Brien. He just needs to go. I can't even imagine how negative it must be in that locker room with such a weirdo having that much power. And he needs to go. I do hope that the uh, and I think that I actually think the Titans are going to win the division. To be honest oh, with you, good. I wouldn't mind that at all. The mm-hmm. way that they're playing, they're playing like Mike Vrabel is is kind of another weirdo, but he's a much more <laughs> he's he's a much more likable weirdo. weirdo than Bill O'Brien. Like Bill O'Brien's just creepy. Yeah. Um, and you know uh, the November n- mustache, notwithstanding. Uh, Vrabel is usually, uh, you know, not too creepy at least, but uh, he's got them fired up, and they've, uh, they, you can see there's there's a real excitement to the Tennessee Titans lately. Ever since Tannehill took over, and they've just been pulling, you know, they pulled it out against the Chiefs, and they're just winning and doing really well. So I actually think that they can, uh, they can beat the Texans for the division here, and especially if the Texans play like they did this week, then no problem. Titans will just waltz right to it. But I love all of those picks. Uh, I just I I'd feel bad for Anthony Lynn, but I honestly wouldn't feel bad for any of those other people. And I at have all.
0: one surprise one that's just come to my my head, and I think this is again more circumstance and history than anything else. But it's been an unproductive two years in Detroit for Matt Patricia, and there might be somebody that doesn't know the difference between a football and a baseball, and there might be somebody in that Detroit front office that might pull the plug on Matt Patricia this year as well. That would be my eighth and final game.
1: Uh I honestly don't know what to say about that because I, I don't know. Matt, look, It's the Detroit Lions. Well,
0: and that's exactly what I'm saying. There's a reason that Detroit hasn't won a title since 1954. It's the reason they've never been to a Super Bowl. Right, right. Ever. They haven't been to one. There's only three teams in the National Football League that have never been to a Super Bowl.
1: Isn't it? I thought it was four now. It's three. Uh, Is it three or four? No, it's, it's four. It, it, it's four. It's, it's Houston. And Jacksonville, Jacksonville. And Cleveland. Cleveland.
0: And Detroit. And Detroit. There's there four. There's yeah. four. Yeah. Okay. Uh, before we get out of here, one quick other thing that I Oh, want... actually,
1: I did want to bring up something else coaching yep. related for you because yep, yep. I could use your expertise on this. Yep, yep. So uh, there's a gentleman here on WalterFootball.com named uh, Corey Long. And Corey Long, he does the grades of hiring and firing of coaches in college. for Walter football okay so uh he gave a b-plus to Ole Miss hiring Lane Kiffin as the new coach there and uh you know I I don't know a lot about Ole Miss there's been some you know people were upset a few years ago about like the what is it the racist overtones of the logo or something but anyway um but they are called the Rebels and, they uh, still fly the Confederate flag at oh, the do stadium. They? Okay, okay, yeah, that's funny. Down, 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 wow. down, down, yeah, down. okay, anyway. <laughs> and uh, so he said, I think this is a perfect match because Kiffin is going to give the Rebels all the red meat they want. He's going to tra- talk trash about Nick Saban, he's going to recruit the top players, and he's going to be the subject of rumors about his personal life because he's single these days. Finally, the Rebels get a true Rebel to lead their football program.
0: No question. Brilliant hire by whoever the... the uh, athletics director is at Ole Miss University. Um, This guy is a lightning rod for enthusiasm, but I will say this. He will get the uh, Ole Miss program on the right road, but he'll be gone within four or five years because he'll have worn out his welcome. He's one of these guys that is just such a lightning rod for controversy and stupid stuff that comes out of his mouth. And, And going and taking on Nick Saban is just you know, you've got to have... Laugh. It makes me well, smile. Well, no question. It but makes I, me laugh. But that isn't real good for career success, especially in the Southeastern Conference with a guy that's won five national championships at Alabama, and he won a sixth when he was at LSU. Um, I think the best hire, college coaching-wise this weekend, was Mike Norville from Memphis going to Florida State. Uh, Mike Norville has done an unbelievable job at Memphis um, what he has done with no facilities in an in a, in the American Conference, which isn't a, a Power Five conference, but what he has done at that university in four years is unfreaking believable. And if nothing else, after bumbling up Willie Taggart and then bumbling up uh, or losing Jimbo Fisher, Florida State finally has got the right guy to get this program back where it needs to be. And I am just Really enthusiastic for the Florida State program to bring a guy with as much with as much uh, character and as much credibility than Mike Norville. He'll do a great job in Tallahassee, Florida, and he's the kind of guy that Florida State needs to get back. I mean, can, you can't believe how unbelievably competitive it must be to be in the state of Florida when you've got Florida State, Florida, Miami of Florida, and then you've got teams like South Florida, uh, Florida International, uh, UCF. UCF. I mean, there's just so many big-time colleges in Florida, and they're all trying to get the same kids because the state of Florida is just rich of high school uh, football athletes. The competition to have a guy at the head of your program that's credible... Is huge, and I think Florida State had just hit a home run with the, with the naming of Mike Norville to be the next head coach in, in Tallahassee. Great job by Florida State.
1: Well, what this Corey Long says here is, um, I, I just just uh, just to finish off with um, with Lane Kiffin there. I I love the idea of Nick Saban sitting there and everyone like the. Cartel of old men who decide everything is sitting there just worshipping the guy and this guy comes in and he's willing to talk trash about him. I love that if you want to get some relevance and you can bring in a guy who's going to just pick a fight with the big dog and just go punch him in the face. I love that because as Corey Long says, I give the old Miss rebels credit for one thing. They don't care about outside noise or perception. They want to win, they want to be in the discussion, and they're willing to take the risk to get there and they don't care what you think about it. And I well, appreciate that. I
0: appreciate that. No question, but I will say this, old Miss needs to upgrade their facilities if they're that serious and obviously to make a commitment to bring in long, long excuse me, Lane Kiffin as your new head coach. That was probably more money than they wanted to spend on a coach. But if you're going to spend that kind of money on a coach, then you better upgrade your facilities. And they need to do that in Oxford, Mississippi. And hopefully for them and the SEC West, it, you know what? It would be nice. I got I to gotta mention this. Arkansas just hired some guy. Um, can't remember his name this week. Uh, but it would be nice to see somebody from the SEC West, the lower tier of the SEC West, so we're talking about Arkansas, we're talking about Ole Miss, it would be nice for one of those teams to go up and bite LSU or Alabama and Auburn right in the ass. It would be nice to see one of those lower echelon teams come up from nowhere and take on the big boys in the SEC West. And uh, Lane Kiffin, I think, has the chops to do it. It'll be interesting to see, but I'm very interested to see these lower echelon teams that have been at the bottom of the SEC West for a long long time I mentioned Arkansas I mentioned uh, uh, Ole Miss there's probably a couple others in there Texas AM I mean they're paying Jimbo Fisher 7.5 million dollars a year to to get their program resurrected I mean they're going to a rose they're going to a bowl this year but Texas AM isn't expected to just go to a bowl they're expected to be in competition for that uh, CF you know the, uh, playoff thing. Um, when you're paying your coach $7.5 million, that's what they expect too. So I'm very excited to see the SEC West in the next couple of years. And I'm hoping that some of those bottom feeder teams have have hired the right guy where they can make a difference in that division. And we don't have to always endlessly hear about Nick Saban at Alabama. And we don't have to hear about Orgeron, Ed Orgeron at LSU and Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M.
1: Let's, get, let's let the little boys win some too. Well, I just thought it was interesting here because... So, uh, Corey Long here says that Mike Morvell is fine as a hire. He said he brings a lot of good things to the table, although he is unproven as a roster builder, which of course is very important. In- I
0: don't, I don't agree with that. I mean, how, how do you get the Memphis Tigers, a basketball school? How do you get them to four straight, uh, bowl appearances? And they're playing in a New York six day bowl this year. They're playing in the cotton bowl against Penn state. And I, I, think you've got to have you've got to have a, a knowledge about the whole football program, from recruiting to sustainability to getting the proper facilities to dealing with the media. There are so many things involved, and I think Mike Norville hits a home run on
1: all of those levels. Well, the point he made too was not even as much, not even criticizing Mike Norville, but in terms of the school itself, in terms of Florida State University, he says. If you he's grading, not Norvell, he's grading the coaching search, the coaching search done by Florida State gets a pure F because the school fired Willie Taggart in early November with the hopes of hiring former Oklahoma coach Bob Stoops or an established coach from another power five program. Florida State failed at the search. If those were the criteria, it's as simple as that. Uh, They should have gone harder after PJ Fleck or Mark Stoops.
0: Well, first of all, they couldn't go after P.J. Fleck because P.J. Fleck, the week before the Badgers played Minnesota, signed a new five-year extension to his deal in Minnesota, so he was off the table. I'm just happy that Florida State didn't acquiesce and bring in Deion Sanders. That would would have been disaster. That That would have been disaster. (laughs) That just sounds ridiculous. Well, I mean, that's like hiring uh, Robitaille Robitaille Mm -hmm. and Blake in Los Angeles to run the Kings. They don't know what the hell they're doing. I think even
1: I think it'd be even worse.
0: Probably. Probably. But uh again, I'm I'm happy with that hire. I did hear the name Bob Stoops, but remember Bob Stoops starts his new job the week after the Super Bowl as the head coach of the Dallas whatever in the XFL two. So uh,
1: Houston, uh, I think. Is it
0: Houston? I don't know. Houston or Dallas? It's Somebody. Houston, I think, yeah. Whatever. One of those teams in the new XFL. He starts his new career the week after the Super Bowl. So he had a job.
1: Head coach and general manager. Mm-hmm.
0: We've got to run on this uh, 434th episode of Unscripted. I hope I got the number right. We thank you, as always, for joining us and hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.